Hello, my talkers. Thanks for listening to our show. We are Bradley and Dawn. That's Mike over there, our producer. And together we make the adventures of Bradley and Dawn. Are you lonely? Are you listening in Minneapolis? Because apparently Bradley has some news about your loneliness? What is this? One is the loneliest number that you'll ever be, feel. I don't know. Um, that is the case, apparently, according to a new ranking. You know how we love rankings here in Minnesota? Like, we're the fourth state in the nation to love pickles. I would say we're probably higher than that. But anyway, so add to the list, Minneapolis ranking among America's loneliest cities. Um, okay. Now, this comes... According to a new report, quote, that analyzes the percentage of, because you'll ask yourself, how do they come up with this? They just call people and go, are you feeling okay, Don? Are you lonely? Do you have any friends? How many friends do you have, Don? Uh Do you want me to really answer? Yes. I called them for a survey. Uh, I don't know, like 10. You have 10 friends where you're not lonely. in the Twin Cities that I talk to consistently. That's a lot of people. It is? Uh, It's not very much. How many times you talk to 10 people? I don't know. What's the study? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just so, making stuff up. Ma'am, I'm not giving you a coupon because you didn't answer my question. Here's the deal, ma'am. I never answer the phone from somebody I don't know. You answered the phone for me. Now, thank you for asking uh, how we came up with this. Because that that was my first question. Like, well, what does that mean when somebody says you're the loneliest city? What went into this ranking or analysis? And apparently this new report anal <laughs> Anal <laughs> Analyzed. <laughs> See, the what am I thinking yet, about? Honey. Hey, it's Thursday. <laughs> A new report analyzed <laughs> the percentage of Single occupancy residence. This is, so <laughs> if like me, you perhaps have are having the thought that mm-hmm. I had, which was, well, what does that mean? How lonely? If you live alone, you're alone. You're lonely. No, is that what that means? I don't think that's true. Well, that's apparently how they came up with this, and I didn't. Now, here's what I did find interesting. So. To that end, that is the percentage of single occupancy residences in Minnesota. Apparently, nearly 44% of Minneapolis residents live alone, which I thought was fascinating. 44%? Yeah. So almost half of people in Minneapolis live alone. Okay. But that doesn't mean that they're lonely. That just means that we have a high percentage of single living people, right. which in my mind, when I first read this, I thought, well, that just means we either have a lot of young people or maybe a lot of old people. I don't know if, you know, they don't break it down too much. I will say that DC has more residents who live alone, but I'm like, isn't that because all them people who don't live in DC, but they're there for work mm, right. would be considered single. Right. So I don't know. I, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds in that. I just thought it seems a bit of a leap then to say that we're the lonely one of the loneliest cities. Yeah, just because you live alone doesn't equate to um, loneliness. And I would also like to pull up a study from Business Insider here about the happiest places, the happiest states. You want to know which where we rank in all of the states? Four. 
Well, we're also fourth in loneliest. Okay, so that doesn't the make sense. The two don't go together. They need to yeah, talk to each other. It's a crap study. Yeah. Or at, at least it's just it's extrapolating the wrong things from perhaps the right study. Because there is another study, this one from WalletHub, which ranks us as the 13th happiest city. So I don't know where all these people are getting their numbers. I will say the U.S. Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, does say that there is a loneliness epidemic in the United States. Which I'm actually not surprised about because I would imagine since COVID that really screwed with the metrics Mm, for loneliness. Yeah. Because if by loneliness you mean not connecting with other humans. Now, if you live alone, it's probably a bigger challenge, right? Like I would think that that's okay to extrapolate that people who live alone, they have to work harder to maintain social and parasocial relationships. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Actually, parasocial relationships are probably easier when you're alone because you're just sitting on your phone. Um, but anyway, so the moral of the story is I could see where that would be a challenge, but I don't think you live alone, ergo, you are lonely. Makes a lot of sense. Right. Because everybody's experience is different. I would say if you have the ability to live alone, that would put you in a higher economic, I don't know. I mean, to afford to live alone is probably difficult for some people and so oh, sure like if you're young you're probably gonna like have a roommate is what exactly you're yeah. yeah i would just say so yeah it just doesn't make sense to me i was really happy when i lived alone oh my god so was i i was probably more social when i was alone now somebody would say well that's because you you had to make the effort and that's true and i think there's sort of a built-in antidote to loneliness when you're living with another person even yeah. if you don't really like that other person like even if you're in a crap relationship god yeah, forbid you or lonely. you have a part uh like a roommate or somebody that you don't particularly get along with i think just the presence of another human in a house probably provides you some sort of benefit so all of that makes sense to me i mm-hmm. just thought it was a bit of a stretch to say that we're one of the loneliest cities because yeah. that just implies a bunch of um i don't know emotion around the issue that I don't think is probably there. And it's clickbait because if they just said these are the um, the cities where the most people live alone, that's not as, as yeah, sexy like a title. Minneapolis. Well, th- they probably sent us some pitch PR firm sent us, or I should say some PR firm sent us a pitch at some point, I'm sure, that said Minneapolis, one of the fourth... <laughs> single livingest cities in the country because we get all these boring studies that we do are yeah. not titillating or interesting whatsoever mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Right, right. And they're like, if you talk about this on your show, please link to our site. And it's like, sure, we will. Here we go. Look at this. <sighs> New report finds Minnesota hospitals not complying with hospital price transparency rule, Dawn. Oh, down 32% and 30% of hospitals in Minnesota are fully complying with a rule that took effect over three years ago. Oh, hmm. That's, I, I don't even know what that means. Did well, you? They're not telling you the truth about your medicine. I don't know. Just ask them, call them up and go, Hey, what is this going to cost? Well, I'll send a response <laughs> email to wait. Let me look for it. Uh-huh. Kathleen. Kathleen. Thank you. Best. Now, I'm assuming in about four days, I'm going to get another email from Kathleen. It says, just wanted to boop this to the top of your list in case you missed it. We did it. 
<laughs> I'll respond in the break. It's okay. Anyway, okay. so I don't think we're lonely. I don't know about you. I feel like there's probably a real loneliness problem for some people, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you live me alone, you can just be naked all over your house, you know, like Bradley Cooper. Nobody cares. That's fun. Well, speaking of Bradley Cooper, you're going to tell us about him when we come back. Why? Yes. Because he's been crying. <laughs> I'm so He's I very love emotional. Just leave him alone. You're, you're having a love affair, uh, which is fine. But okay. you can tell us about your love affair with Bradley Cooper when we come oh, back okay. right here on my time. Welcome back to the show, The Adventures of Bradley and Dawn. Um, well, the Oscars are right around the corner. Looks like March 10th. If you haven't seen all the Oscar-nominated movies, a lot of them are, you can rent them online or you can see them on streaming services. One being Maestro, starring Bradley Cooper, uh, where he wrote, directed, and starred in this film about Leonard Bernstein, the conductor. He had a really interesting life. And um, a lot of people have been saying that Bradley Cooper is super thirsty to win this this uh, Oscar for directing. I mean, he has been pretty thirsty. Well, um, I feel like it's just a matter of like, I'm, I'm just curious as to why people think that. I don't know what it is. It must be an I insider thing. From and- the blinds, we've heard this like for the last two years. I think it started probably with the way he and Lady Gaga were just trying so hard. Oh. Um, you know, uh, what was that movie? The Star, Star is Born? The Star is he, Born. That's his first directed movie. Yeah. So he's coming from A Star is Born to this. I watched the movie with low expectations, and I thought it was amazing on a directing level. Yeah, I level, haven't seen it. It's really good. Uh, it goes from, you know, his young... He goes through his young life all the way up until his death. So you see Bradley Cooper in all facets of age. Um, If you watch any videos of the man, it's uncanny the way he portrays him. So I think it looks beautiful. It was, I don't know. I just thought it was so good. This is like definitely worthy of an Oscar on multiple levels, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, but do you think that like, cause can't both things be true? Can't somebody be thirsty, but also really good? I guess so. I think that uh, since I'm not in the inside of the industry, you know, this must be these rumors must be coming from people who deal with him in a yeah. elite way or like, you know, it is an Oscar race. So they're all doing. Oh, press. yeah. If you don't they're think all... that there are people behind the scenes trying real hard to win. I mean, evidenced by the fact that. And I just read this story yesterday about how one guy in the Academy said, and this is in a piece in The Hollywood Reporter right now, that he decided to vote for, what's his name, Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Because he thought there were two other great performances up for Best Actor, but he met Robert Downey Jr. at a party, so he was going to vote for him. Yeah, and he was very charismatic at that party, right? I think I saw that. And people were like, Okay, so if you don't think that people are trying to, you know, and it's not to say that you're bad for being thirsty. I think, though, people are recognizing behavior that they see as like that person is trying real hard um, Mm -hmm. to get an award. And for some people, that's important, Mike. And it's really easy. It's an easy narrative to push because he's been up for 12 Oscars and he's never won. 
So it started with Silver Linings Playbook when like, Jennifer Lawrence won it, Oscar. and he didn't. Then American Hustle, he was up for two for American Sniper because he produced that as well as starred in it. Then he lost out on all three for A Star is Born. He was a producer on Joker, Nightmare Alley. Like, the list went on oh, and on. Gosh. So it's an easy narrative to push that he wants this so bad. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know why blind items come about the way they do. A, they're either true, or B, you know, people just get this... this I mean, it's like Lady Gaga, every role that she does seems so over earnest. And there's oh. just there's just an earnestness that comes across with her and that sticks to her, whether it's fair or not. Right. Yeah. So the latest criticism is that he cried in an interview, which I watched the whole thing. It was on a CBS Sunday morning interview with Leonard Bernstein's family. Mm-hmm. So his kids are there. They approved of the script. He started from zero and went to them and said, help me know about your dad. And so since A Star is Born, he's been working on this. And they adore Bradley Cooper. They approve of the movie. They think he did such an amazing job showing the relationship between his parents. So I think he's caught up in the fact that he spent seven years working on this. And it took a lot out of him. So I loved the interview. They're all there. They're, actually, you're going to hear part of this where he does start to cry, where people think think it's cringy. Um, one of the daughters asks him, do you miss him? Do you miss him? Oh, yeah, man. What do you miss about him? It's hard to talk about. I don't know. We shared something very special. It's hard to even articulate. But he was with me, certainly, throughout the entire time. His energy has somehow found its way to me that I really do feel like I know him. So that is the part out of the 22, uh, the 20-minute interview that people are taking that snippet from. And I... Well, explain why. uh, Or explain how they took it. they, They took it... Uh, people think it's cringy. Is that yeah, what you mean? Why they think it's cringy. They think it's cringy because Bradley Cooper never met him. But in the context of the interview, they're talking about how he learned about him and made this connection. And the family started seeing things that Bradley was doing that were uncanny that their father did. And they're like, he used to do that same thing. So they were all supportive of him embodying yeah. the spirit. So I think he says he misses doing the character. Yeah. And that's kind of taken internet, out of context. The internet is two-dimensional that yeah. way. So like the way the internet reacted, of course, is doing what they do best, which is always assuming the worst. And they're like, well, he didn't know him, so he's just totally acting. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, when you go and watch, it, it's actually that he's just talking about... I mean, he even just said... It's like he knew him, mm-hmm. which implies he didn't know him. So right. he's not saying he remembered having a relationship with him when he didn't. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that like Carrie Mulligan's performance, he's directing her at the same time as creating this beautiful film. If you like old movies, the first like any part of him during the 1950s, like all the black and white stuff that they show in flashbacks. It's like you're watching an old movie. The music, the way they talk. Um, just, uh, I loved it. And I'm going to put a link to the interview where you see bits and pieces of yeah. the real awesome. Leonard Bernstein and then comparing him to Bradley's performance. And it's it's extraordinary. Awesome. I mean, I, I think that out of all the 
you know, I really do think that Killian Murphy's going to win, but I feel like Bradley Cooper's performance in this movie is just as good. All right, and you're putting that on our show links page. I am definitely put it so you can see the whole context. Fabulous. I just don't know how like we got from liking Bradley Cooper to not liking him and mm. calling him thirsty like in the whole zeitgeist of talking yeah. about actors. I'm like, how did this happen? Why people want to tear him down? I don't know. All right. Well, we will continue to answer that question. But when we come back, we have to talk about Wendy Williams, specifically the guardian yeah. around Wendy Williams. Like this person, frankly, has a lot of questions around her based on a lawsuit that was brought to our attention by none other than um, uh, none other than Radar Online. I thought we were like a minute ahead of where we are. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, but let's just uh, set the table. Right. We have been concerned about Wendy Williams ever since this documentary just came out um, last week. Or was it the beginning of this week? No, it, it was it was over the weekend. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Saturday and Sunday. It's four parts. And um, Don, you did the Lord's work and watched the whole thing. And it really opened our eyes to what's going on with Wendy Williams behind the scene. But then there's all these questions about why the documentary uh, chose to go forward with the documentary despite her medical issues. But then there's all these questions about who this guardian around her is, who's mm-hmm. in charge of all her finances. Well, Radar Online went and did some digging, and apparently there's some questions. Ooh. And we're already on sort of high alert for guardians and people connected to uh, the rich and famous because, of course, there's a lot of money involved. And I don't know if you remember Britney Spears, but mm-hmm. we have reason to be suspicious of people who whose job it is is to get between a celebrity and their money. And I also found another connection from Wendy and Britney Spears in this. Oh, fabulous. Online, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, hopefully you'll share that with us when we come back right here on My Talk 1071. Where talk is fun. Lots of laughs, right? You betcha. My Talk 1071. Everything entertainment. Hey, my talkers, are you thinking about buying a home or refinancing? Well, let me introduce you to David from First Equity Mortgage. It's a great time to buy a home. I mean, the weather's nice. Look outside. Don't you feel like you want to go maybe get into a different home or start shopping? Well, you can, especially with David and his team. And if you've ever felt intimidated or unsure of what you're signing in this process, what documents you're supplying to your mortgage company and why, please call David because he prides himself and his team on prompt responses, explaining the process and even helping first-time home buyers get their ducks in a row. I talked to him about buying a home, and he explained everything. So, uh, actually, Cassie and Vic customers say, best in the business, smoothest home purchase ever we've experienced with David. He was there from start to finish. So, if you want to refinance, also give him a call. We did that, actually, with David a couple of years ago, and we were amazed at what he could do for us. So, call David and his team, 763-251-8000, or my talk keyword, David. Thanks for joining us here on the Adventures of Bradley and Dawn, my talk 1071. Wendy Williams has been a topic of conversation because a documentary, a four-part documentary came out on Lifetime this last weekend showing her, um, well, they were first filming her making a podcast after she did not have a TV show anymore. And then it just got into more things about her health, her mental health, um, 
you know, a lot of different conversations between her family and what's going on with their finances. And we really saw some things in this that were like, whoa, Wendy Williams is in trouble. Yeah. To me, there's some confusion between like who's who's got Wendy's best interest at heart, Mm -hmm. not financial not like the best for them personally, but like who's looking out for Wendy? Because we've been down this road before with Brittany. We've been down it with other celebrities like Nichelle Nichols. Um, so I'm very just on high alert. Like, I hope people are doing their due diligence. Well, what's interesting is I found a couple stories now. One, I will tell you, was removed from Radar Online. So put Ooh. a pin in that. Um, but that's just frustrating because we uh, I found that story earlier this week and now it's gone. But it did raise some questions about the guardianship around Wendy Williams and specifically the woman who is in the role of guardian. What's interesting is that then when I went looking to try and find that story, I found some other stories, uh, one from a, a local news outlet that revealed an investigation that found some concerning links between guardianship lawyers, caseworkers and judges. Mm-hmm. And one story that's questioning uh, questions surrounding the judge who was assigned to pick Wendy's guardian. Oh. And so I I just think these things, and here's another one. There was a Daily Mail piece wherein, and I think this was from an interview that this person did on a News Nation interview with, what's his name, Perry Cuomo, uh, Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, member from CNN. Yes. Uh, He's now on News Nation. Anyway, he did an interview with a, allegedly a woman named Regina Shell, who was one of Wendy's closest friends and has known her since she was 13. And she has specifically spoken out against this guardian. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of questions about the people that are surrounding her. And I just hope that those people get heard because there's a lot of moving parts. And at the end of the day, you don't know what people's real motivations are. But, you know, we've seen this before. It kind of smells. Is it what I'm saying. really does. And people do profit off of conservatorships. You know, we've seen that with Britney. There are a cast of characters that definitely played a part in, um, you know, well, they're still not prosecuted, but you can see how they created charities on her behalf where actually they were just benefiting from it. Um, uh, some people in particular, like, TriStar, I believe, uh, was the company involved in that with Lou Taylor and Robin Greenhill at the head of that. For Brittany, yeah. Yes, for Brittany. And there's just so much behind the scenes that they don't have control of when it comes to a guardianship. During this interview that her friend Regina Shell did uh, with News Nation, she said in this interview that Wendy had, to a- uh, had no access to her money had to ask permission from the Guardian for any purchases that she wanted to make, including meals. She alleged that this sometimes meant Wendy would go hours on end without eating, Mm -hmm. which left Regina worried that she had to start ordering food for her from across the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that as true. Part of the documentary, um, her niece comes over, uh, who's very close to Wendy, and she just comes to visit her, and she's like, and so the documentarians ask, like, is it the same as you saw her last year or what's different? She's like, well, she's just not the same. There's something wrong. Like, And they're like, well, how was it before? And she said she would come in, hug me. She would say, like, oh, honey, just go to the fridge and get, 
you know, get what you want out of the fridge. There's plenty of food in there. And ask me about my life. And all she wanted to do was figure out how to like she barely even acknowledges that she's in the room she's like i can't get the tv going you know there's just something missing and they said so like she's they're like dude well look in the fridge and like she she starts crying she's like i don't want to and they say there isn't food in there there's no food in there and a lot of it was is this at the point that the guardian is already in effect uh yes okay it is yes because that was that's part of the issue in the documentary. Her family's like, we don't know how to we don't have they had access no role. to her. They didn't have any role. Uh, and it all started with Wells Fargo yep. cutting her off from her money and them going to a judge. Well, and then the there was a judge involved who assigned a guardian. Well, and that's this judge that I was telling you about that. They raised questions about this judge in the past in other guardianship situations. So. All of these things are just leading to more questions about the judge and the guardian surrounding Wendy Williams. And it's not just her family that's bringing these issues. It's the friend like the one that talked to Chris Cuomo. But the other one, they went to uh, a a local news outlet when they were, you know, investigating. They went to um, admittedly not somebody directly involved, but somebody who does situations like this uh, or in similar situations has uh, guardianship relationships and one of the questions they asked, which I thought was insightful, was why would any guardian, because you'll remember that the guardian in this case attempted to stop the Lifetime special airing. Yes. And this person asked the question, why would a guardian try to limit the funds of the person they're responsible for? Meaning by stopping the documentary, that would stop her getting paid. Right. Right. And so like if your job is to make sure this person is supported and has, you know, opportunities to make money, why would you get in the way of that? Well, that's a very good point. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I think that this from seeing the state that she's in with her uh, with dementia and aphasia, the family made it clear and everybody around her, her manager, her publicist, like she needs someone with her daily. So whenever you cut out family, you only have left the people who are making money off of her, earning a paycheck. They want her to do a podcast. Well, yeah. And so if they if they're not working for her, they're not making money. And sometimes like I, I, I think there is a place and like don't misunderstand. I think that it's important to have judges and laws and, you know, rules and mm-hmm. protections in place for people who cannot care for themselves. And sometimes family is not the best. Right. Totally get that. But you want to believe that there is somebody who's making those decisions, who's qualified and does not have some sort of vested interest or has a history of not acting in the best interest of the people for whom they're selecting guardians. Exactly. And whenever you know that your bread and butter is coming from this person, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the people you see in the documentary that aren't her family I do believe that they're good people and they want what's best for her because they were constantly trying to make sure that alcohol was removed from her home. And um, because all she wanted to do was just drink and vape. And so it was a constant battle. I do think they care about her, but they are making money. Yeah. Like they have a vested interest, like you said. And they didn't seem like they were there to harm her, but if they don't keep her going, which sometimes isn't in her best interest, I think she, they, they were the ones who 
called the guardian and had said, like, she's really in bad shape. She needs to go to a rehab. And so they have more control. Just well, this manager like who was a you, jeweler, you know. <laughs> I would like to remind you that um, that was all in the documentary. Currently, we don't know where Wendy is. Yeah. And currently, nobody, her family does not have contact with her. That's right. And they didn't know what facility she was yeah. in. And they weren't like throughout the documentary, her family was allowed to come to New York. And, you know, they would say, hey, will you come and visit? You know, your son's going to come and visit you, your your nephew, your niece. Um, so they weren't, they weren't kept away from her, but she wasn't allowed to live with them in, in Florida. Yeah. And that's where I think she needs to be with her family. You know, um, a bank thinks not. I just don't think a a bank needs to be the one deciding what's best for a person. And it scares me that a bank would have the ability to get somebody appointed a guardian because they're worried about their money. Right. Like more than what's best for the person. I know. You it's know? very odd. Because it's it's it is true that she could be in a place where she can't make decisions for herself. That's a thing. That happens. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. so, you know, sometimes that has to happen. However, I it would be nice if the family was on board with that situation yeah unless of course the family is just trying to get as much money out of that person as they can so it's not an easy thing for sure yeah and i don't know for sure just from what i saw and getting the feeling of all of these family members it seems like they want her health to be taken care of number one like we don't care about we don't want her to be working and she doesn't need to be working or taking meetings or doing this doing a podcast she needs to be healthy like day to day we need to make sure that she is healthy and staying away from alcohol so i don't know i think those are the best people that need to be around her but would would you get married inside of a gas station um yeah for sure why um because i if i ever got married it would probably go down the toilet (laughs) see what you did there that's a joke (laughs) but this is not a joke okay the question i just asked you because for one lucky couple lucky they got to determine they were going to spend the rest of their lives together in the crapper. And I'm going to tell you why when we come back right here on My Talk. It's Leap Day. Happy Leap Day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Adventures of Bradley and Dawn right here on My Talk. Well, married couples out there, how was your ceremony? Uh, Did you have it in a special place? Maybe a place that's a little unusual. If you did, give us a call, 651-641-1071. And tell us where you got married, if it's someplace that's a little odd. Bradley has a story here about a really odd place. Yeah, and I was thinking of weird places uh, that you might get married. Here is one for you, a gas station bathroom. Yeah, that's real interesting. Okay. Hopefully it's been cleaned. Did they check the door and see the date that it had been cleaned? Right. Uh, You'd hope. Now, I imagine if I tell you that a couple got married in a gas station, much less a gas station bathroom, you'd have questions. Yeah. Why? It, the, hopefully Who's it's a doing quick trip. this? Hopefully it's a what? Quick trip. Why right, they have Mike? nice bathrooms? I mean, that's not a gas station. Yeah. But a quick, yeah, it's a, quick trip's another level. Cute. Yeah, it is. Would you get married in a, a quick trip bathroom? <laughs> I don't think I'd have the privilege. It's too nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> At least you're, like, consistent. Yeah. Exactly. You would be in the bathroom, too. Okay, I want to tell you about Tiana and Logan Abney, because they knew the men's bathroom 
inside the hop shops in Verona was the perfect wedding venue for them. The men's. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going to have to pick. Sure. Quote, explained Tina Abney, I wanted something a little different. Didn't want to just get married in a typical chapel or, you know, go to church. I wanted something fun to tell my kids. A good experience. <laughs> Anybody? Yeah. Is that a Verona, Wisconsin? Or where is this? Uh, that is a great question. Oh, okay. It looks... My heart skipped a beat. If you're going to tell me they got married in a gas station and it was in Wisconsin no. and it wasn't a quick trip, I would have had a problem. Then you would have been real yeah. ticked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentucky. Apparently, she works at hop shops. Oh. She goes, then I had a crazy idea. She was like, the hop shop at the hop shop. And I was like, that doesn't seem too bad. And she's like, Low the standards. bathroom. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. That's her husband. Yeah. Now, uh, apparently, the hop shop's bathroom, maybe this is like a quick trip experience. They go, now the hop shops don't just have any old ordinary bathroom. With the push of a button, it transforms into a disco-centric theme. They got a button in every hop shop. You push it, the disco lights come on, and music plays. What is going on? I love it. Is this they've a won, thing? They've won me over. Yeah. This is awesome. I need to see this bathroom. That sounds great. Uh, I always heard it don't matter where you get married at. It's just the person Uh-oh. you're with. <laughs> okay. What? It don't matter. Yeah. Seeing her in her dress, she looks so beautiful. It was an emotional day. I'm sorry, but like, did nobody else have questions? Like, what do you do? Like what? Like you get special urinal cakes for the occasion? Ooh, that's your wedding cake. It's a urinal cake. <laughs> you put a candle on, or you put a little couple on top, a little wedding topper on the yeah, urinal cake. I guess so. Um, is is it a big bathroom? Because I guess they, the witnesses, the preacher. I don't know, y'all. When I read the story, I was like, I don't know what. Like I, I kept reading this story, trying to think to myself, wait a minute, is this like a joke? Like they just did, you know, like, no, this is real. They got married in a bathroom. And I'm watching the video of it right now. Have you seen the video of what these look like? Mm. I can play it as well, but okay. uh, they're basically. No one's going to be flushing. You walk in. No, it's a, it's a smaller, like you'd expect a bathroom to look like. And then there's this frog, because again, it's hop. So it's like hop it's, shop. It, hop shop. Oh, it's got like the theme cute. of this little frog. Right. And it says, whatever you do. Don't press the red button. And it's right next to the light switch. And that's the disco lights. And when you press the button, here's what happens. There's disco balls. That's great. They have two gigantic disco balls. Strobe light starts. Ooh, yeah. And they, like, literally are walking down the aisle towards the bathroom. Behind them, now there's, like, balloons, right? Yeah. You know, like a balloon thing. A balloon arch. And there's like a weenie roller behind them. You know, the What's weenie roller? That? No. It's got the like hot dogs on it oh, that just spins God. for eight hours. I thought it was something in a men's bathroom I didn't know about. A weenie roller. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a totally different thing. <laughs> I'm like, thing. what? Is this like a you ball ain't never dryer seen, on You ain't never seen course? the weenie roller? <laughs> you just stick your wiener in there and it dries it off. It goes tap, tap. You know, after you get a certain age, you don't want to dribble. Oh, God.
No, Dawn, it's a weenie roller. You put hot dogs on it. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that rolling meat logs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of good sometimes. Not for a wedding, I just, I feel like. Now, look, that said, I'm not married, so far be it for me Mm -hmm. to pass judgment on other people's weddings. I just thought, I can't believe this is the first time I have ever heard of somebody getting married in a bathroom. Yeah. Because you got to just know, I don't care how clean it is, there's going to be a smell. It's a gas station bathroom. Yeah, unless they're like, nobody can come in. We've cleaned it for the day. And sorry, men, you have to use Yeah, did the they like have like a 48-hour, like, no, no pee zone? Probably. I would. Oh, God. Gosh. Just the thought of random strangers pulling their pants down in a place where I'm going to get married. Well, that's probably happened a lot, actually. <laughs> in churches. Well, or just, you know. Where people are having uh, the parties afterward. Oh, true. The receptions. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would get, if I had to get married in any bathroom, maybe MSP Airport. Because their bathrooms are so amazing. We have the best bathrooms out of any airport in the country. You think? It's It's a fact. Oh. MSP has been voted like the number one airport. Well, I know it's an amazing airport. But they have like beautiful murals and... What's your bathroom like at MSP? Have you seen it? I mean, it's they got urinals. Yeah, but it's like not beautiful and opulent it's inside. Clean, very clean. Okay, yeah. I mean, you get spoiled when you go there, and then you fly into like DFW or something. You're like, oh well, don't want to hang around. I don't here think too I long. would ever get married in a bathroom. I said if I had to, yeah, for some in weird, some weird universe. Let's see if I were going to pick a weird universe bathroom wedding. I would want to pick, I don't know, I've been to usually like a fancy restaurant, you know, they'll have some kind of nice restroom where it's well appointed and there's some like nice towels mm, and yeah. maybe some potpourri. Nice, yeah. Potpourri. Some people make a real point to make their bathrooms spectacular, so yeah. you talk about them. Yeah, I went to a bathroom once, I think it was, wasn't it Chino Latino, they had like a unisex hand washing experience, so you would do your, what? you would do your business in a specific restroom. And then you and then could you wash come your hands out with and women. The, the hand area would uh-huh. be a common experience. Oh, that's kind of cool. Hmm. I wonder if anybody's ever met at the hand washing experience Probably. there and gotten married. You can totally see it. Yeah, like, hey, I just... Yeah, but like then you just... I don't know. It's so fascinating. All right. Um, let's post that story on our show links page. So if you guys want to go down the rabbit hole that I did with uh, <laughs> Tiana and Logan. <laughs> it's the hop. Right. Hop shop. Hop shop. It's a froggy. Yeah. And they got a slushy aisle. Um, It was on Valentine's Day, too, by the way. Okay. And she did look fabulous. Well, that's lovely. When we come back, speaking of Wendy. Now, we talked about Wendy Williams in the last segment. In the next segment, we're going to talk about Wendy's. Mm -hmm. Not Wendy Williams, but like the restaurant. Right. And something that they were alleged to have done earlier this week that sent me through the roof. And dear listeners, uh, I'm curious if you had the same reaction. Then they tried to walk it back. We're going to talk about it because I feel like it's going to happen regardless. Wendy's is doing something that's absolutely not a good idea. And we'll tell you what it is when we come back right here on My Talk 1071. Oh my God, did I do it again? Why do I keep doing that? (laughs) Yeah, you were winding up to close this down. And I'm like, we can talk about the bathroom more. Yeah, I can tell you about a bathroom in Branson, Missouri that's really great. It's the Shoji Tabuchi Theater.
And everyone talks about the bathroom. The Shoji Tabuchi Theater. Yeah, he's a fiddle player. He's very popular. I figured out what it is, you guys. What? That clock is ahead. Mine? The one, the one above up my head? In front of me. Yeah. Okay. So the clock behind me is correct. 55 or 155. But if you come look over here, it looks like it's 56. Oh, that's your perspective. Yeah. There's a real clock that's right by your head to the left well, know, that actually honey, counts down the real time. Yeah, I know. You're being facetious. But yeah. I am telling you, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out why do I keep doing that? <laughs> and it's because I'm looking at that dumb clock. Yeah. This is what's called a hard break, which honey, means don't be we patronizing. I know. I'm telling the listeners. Oh, I thought you were telling me. There's a thing. We have a clock. We need to look at it. If you're listening, we can't control the music that's going to start playing in 11 seconds. I could just make Mike play music now for an extra 30 seconds. That's cool. A minute and a half. Or you can sing, you know, (laughs) whatever. (sighs) Oh, God. All right. time. What were you saying? Taba, what now? Shoji Tabuchi. Oh, look at that music. We got to go. When we come back. You pretended like you were interested (laughs) in Shoji Tabuchi. I get it. I'm just so excited that we finally got to the damn break. <laughs> we have a whole nother hour of this mess, kids. Yeah. We'll be right back on my talk 1071. <laughs>